Welcome to Someone to Talk To, a podcast about faith and life with me, Josh, and my friend, Jason. Hey, buddy. Well, How are you? Hey, good morning, Josh. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so just, yeah, I was just so if there's anyone new, I'm Josh. The other voice is Jason. And uh, so uh, I do want to tee up a little bit that we nice. have, I think we have some really big conversations coming up over the course of the next few weeks. We were texting each other. Um, in between the last episode and this episode about um, some things that you have going on. And I want people to know that while we might be doing something fairly lighthearted in this episode, there is some really potentially heavy stuff coming up, which I think is going to be really exciting. But I think it's important to distinguish too, right? We've said all along that um, this, is a, this is a friendship, right? right? It started out as two guys getting together, talking about life over coffee. Right. Um, and some of our conversations are deep and intense um, and deal with like real life and real issues and real stuff. And sometimes we talk about nonsense, nonsense. Right. I mean, we're I think it's important to distinguish that you and I are real people and this is a real friendship and this is right real right. life. And sometimes it's not deep and it's not. Well, and this could pretend, this conversation could still potentially get deep. Yeah, well, I, I have a feeling. So I have a feeling it might. We talked about in the last episode that we wanted to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the funny thing about that is I don't think we've known that we're both big fans until just fairly recent, recently. If you take a look at the timeline of our friendship, it's been only within the last couple of years that we even figured this out, right? I don't even know if it's been a couple of years. I think it's been, uh, I think it's been this year. Yeah, I think you texted me after like one of our last in-person meetings and you were like, why haven't we talked about the MCU? And I was like, wait, yeah. what? You're a fan? And you were like, yeah. Because we've talked about all kinds of other stuff. Like as our journey in into Christ following, we have both have made like significant reductions to the kind of content we consume. And so we've talked about those things. Like I don't watch this anymore. Right. Or I don't watch that anymore. Or I don't like this kind of thing in my life anymore. Like, for me, it's I hate the hyper violence of the stylized action movies where it's like clearly CGI blood splattering. Like, I hate that. Like, that's to me, like, I just went back. I watched Con Air. This oh, that's last funny. Week, and while it's violent, there's no hyper, like, fake bone cracking, you know, like I would say John Wick level violence. I can't get over dude's fake violent Southern accent. Like, oh, I dude, can't get, I can't his, get past it. And his mega, like his mega mullet oh, is so epic. That's something. But if there's one thing worth mentioning about Con Air, it's low key how shredded Nick Cage is in that movie. I don't think people realize that while he's like a lunatic on screen in some movies, for a period of like a decade, that dude was as shredded as they come. It's hilarious. Yeah, because my first, okay, so my first introduction to Nicolas Cage was, um, oh, I can't even remember the name of the movie now. They kidnapped a baby, Amos and Andrew. And then there was a scene where they they like left the kid raising, on the Arizona. raising Arizona, and he was like stick skinny crackhead. Yeah. So that's always like my mental picture of Nicolas Cage is from Raising Arizona. Between leaving Las Vegas. And then The Rock, he found time to just get swole. Get in the gym. Yeah, and it's, like, so apparent. In, in Like, I feel like Con Air was, like, Nick Cage went to a producer. was like, look, I'm shredded these days, and I need a vehicle to show that on screen, right? Whereas That's I feel like for the MCU, they went to Hemsworth, and they're like, you're a big dude, but we need you, like, ten times bigger. And I just heard, I think it was yesterday, um, that for the upcoming Love and Thunder, he's yeah. like twice as big as he's ever been before. This will be like the most ripped Chris Hemsworth that has ever been on screen. That's that's what that's what I need. That's what my right. wife has a thing for the Hemsworth. That's yeah, what so I need. Here we are on our show, ogling <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Uh, dude, dude's an attractive big man. Chris Pratt still my favorite character. Yeah. Okay. So let's do that. Let's start with: Were you a comic book kid? Um. 
Yes and no. I wasn't a huge comic book kid. Um, but there were a couple of series I got into, and I can't remember. Uh, uh, 1415, um, we, were, we lived overseas, and the base, the military base that we lived on, my father was military. Um, the military base that we lived on had a small comic book shop. Like a, just um, a shop? It wasn't the commissary? It was like a shop? It was a separate, like, it was in the commissary row, but it was yeah. like its own little shop. Interesting. Um, and had who this ran it? Was shop. it run by somebody who lived in that country? It was, was on, it... yeah, it was on base. No, it was on base. Um, so I wanted, well, I don't remember. It could have been like a local contractor. Um, but I'm thinking it was probably, it was probably a um, commissary type employee that ran it. Cause I think what they did was, uh, the commissary slash well we always called it the px but it was oh, a naval right. base uh the post exchange but it was a naval base so it, i probably had a different distinction um but they would just like hire so they they were they whoever was in charge of like hiring for that thing kind of oversaw everything gotcha. that happened there so commissary px uh we had a wendy's um like all of those employees were distributed and facilitated by the same overall company right so i'm guessing the comic book shop was probably somehow attached and then whoever worked there also worked you know part-time stocking shelves at the commissary right okay i don't know so we had this small comic book shop and i don't know how i ended up over there um we were hanging out on base one day and we're like looking for something to do and ended up in this comic book shop and i discovered x-men oh okay um so, so you're a mutant I picked up an X an X Men comic and read it and was just like fascinated, um, and that turned into a love of um, X Men, uh, Fantastic Four, all of like the branches. At the time, there was a they were doing this series um, called the Extinction Agenda, and it, I think it was a nine comic book a nine book series. Um. And it kind of branched off of several different books, all played yeah. into the same storyline. Um, and I actually still own that. I have it in a box in my garage, nice. like hidden away, those nine comics. I'm sure they're probably absolutely worthless. What year um, were they? It, uh, it was 1990-ish. So I took a box of my comic books into one of the local comic book shops. Actually, I didn't even get it out of the car. I walked in and I said, hey, I've got all these comic books. Do you guys buy comic books? And they were like, when are they from? I said, largely from the 90s. They're like, we don't want them. Really? Yeah, they said the storylines are trash. They made too many of them. Like by and large, the 90s are, are considered a not That's super funny. Yeah, rich era of the comic book lore. Right. I did not. I did not keep them because I thought I was going to be rich one day. It was yeah. just part of like, like that portion of my childhood. Yeah. Like that's all that I have was I those nine mine. comic books. Um, and I got into X-Men really big. So I uh, kind of followed that around for a while. And then right as they started making those movies in the early mid 2000s, um, totally got into those. And then as, as my spiritual walk took off a handful of years ago and i started realizing that a lot of the stuff that i was used to watching was not good for me mm -hmm. um i really I, I we can name those shows by the way we we have both been oh, like really protective totally of like naming names and <laughs> and because we know that there's you know there could be collateral damage in our right. lives but like i think this is like i don't think anybody's going to care like there's some right. producer out there who's like i can't believe jason I can't doesn't believe watch said that yeah that's totally true <laughs> um i i really started thinking through the lens of garbage in garbage out right right so what am i putting into my brain what am i um, filling myself with and then what does my life look like what does my output look like as a result of the things that I'm absorbing um, Game of Thrones was a huge one for me because when that came out I loved it I was so in love with that show it was so good and it was so well done and it was this like TV production but you could tell that they were spending bazillions of dollars on it right um, the storyline was fascinating um, it was really good, but it was 
incredibly violent, um, not exactly pro-woman in the beginning, um, incredibly sexualized, like all of those things that the gospel tells you probably aren't God's best for you were that show. And we were watching it. We had watched all of the first season. I had loved that show so much that I bought the first season on Blu-ray and the Blu-ray comes with like all of these like extra discs that explain like all of the backstory and all of the kingdom and where the people groups came from and how they developed into where they're at and like all of the individual characters backstories and like all of this like supplemental information it's like the whole star wars universe i mean oh my gosh but game of thrones um and i would sit for like hours into the night like absorbing all of this information about these make-believe characters um, and then Crystal and I had had a conversation because her heart started to change before mine did. Like I was still holding on. I was like, this is just entertainment, mm-hmm. right? Um, regardless of what it is, it's not going to hurt me. It's not bad for me. I can totally absorb whatever I want. And Crystal and I had had a conversation and she was like, I think I'm done. She was like, you're more than welcome to continue to watch it on your own, but I'm not going to. So I was like, fine. Um, so I was midway through season two, one night while she was in bed. And it was like halfway through an episode and there was some very graphic, uh, I believe it was a very graphic sexual scene. Um, and I was just watching it and realized I hated what I was watching. Yeah. And I was like, this sucks. I can't watch this anymore. And I shut it off and I've never seen another episode. I sold my I sold my blue, my two first two season Blu-ray packs to a buddy of mine. I was like, I'm done. I can't. I'm not. But the MCU has been like my vice. That's been like my one thing. And I will justify it all day long. I'm sure there are still storylines and graphicness and whatever that are that fall into the same category of the things that I gave up Game of Thrones and other things like it for. Um, but it's like, for me, the MCU is part of my childhood mm-hmm. and it's part of my upbringing. Um, and that's something that I've held on to since I was 14. Um, and I think that's one of it's, I, I, I can almost call it a vice. It's like, I look so forward to the shows coming out and the, the movies coming out and like I buy my tickets in advance and pre COVID, um, I'm loving disney plus and the stuff that they're oh, putting out so much to consume right now yeah on disney so. plus i find it interesting that you we've talked about game of Thrones, your game of thrones journey um because early on i got to this place um when my oldest was turning about 13 and i started enjoying some pg-13 movies with him um i have i've always had just like this one metric not always i would say like in my journey getting to know christ there's been one thing for me that was like my hard and fast line and that was like straight up nudity like not a fan especially sexualized nudity i think if it's nudity in the context of a story where it's non-sexualized you know i think i can i can consume that but you know sexualized nudity has really been an issue for me it's been my heart my hard line doesn't mean i haven't consumed it doesn't mean i'm passing judgment on anybody else that consumes it i just know for me in my walk and some of the things that i have struggled with like that nudity thing has been a a hard line so i went through this phase where i had all i was a big dvd blu-ray owner loved it and i could tell stories and stories about my my consumption of dvds and blu-rays but I went through this phase where I went through every DVD that I owned and found the ones with explicit nudity and I put them in a box and I like gave them away. I didn't even want them in the house. And part of that was like having that conversation with my oldest and, and tell, you know, talking about, you know, why don't I watch, you know, he was like, why can't I watch our movies? And I was like, well, you can like go back and watch the matrix matrix and speed. And by today's like our metric, those two are so tame. They might as well be, PG and I'm not talking PG 13 just I mean like they're they're violent in in some regards but like there's very little blood in the matrix there's very little cursing there's one scene where they do a lot of shooting which I think led to it getting an R rating 
in speed they say the f word a bit but not like 90s f word which i mean if you're if you can't handle the f word don't just skip all 90s movies like we talked about con air tons of f words like like every second like like everybody is a mother you know blah 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 like it's everything so i did the same thing but my metric was that and then as i mentioned i got into this like hyper violence so just real quick, my journey, I don't remember when I got into comic books. I just know that I did. I lived 50 miles you know, north of Spokane, 50 miles north of the, the largest city. There wasn't a comic book shop within an hour's drive. But when I would visit my dad, who lived typically lived on opposite sides of the state from me and typically lived in bigger cities, um, not always, but typically, there was always a comic book shop near where my dad would live and, and I would go and I spent almost every free penny I had the thing about me and my comic book consumption is while I had my favorites, I was not very, I was a late bloomer when it comes to like my intellect. And while I was always a smart kid, I think there was just some things that passed me by like Spider-Man's my favorite. And it didn't occur to me that there were different storylines within Spider-Man happening that you had the amazing Spider-Man, the spectacular Spider-Man, spider-man and then you know various branches within that and that they were not necessarily considered part of the same storyline or universe and that's the case with a lot of the major comic book characters is that some of them are just like a like a graphic novel is just a story out of context to tell um with spider-man some of them are divergent storylines you know and then they get into the scarlet spider and spider-man being a clone and if you didn't read 90s comic books i apologize if i just spoiled something for you so for me i was just looking forward to any comic book making it to the big screen because if you're aware there captain america and the punisher were both done as like straight to video movies in the 90s late 80s early 90s they i don't i didn't see them but i can't imagine they were good then there was always rumors of a Fantastic Four movie and they actually ended up producing one because the story behind that was they had to surrender the rights unless they made progress towards. So they actually went and shot a garbage movie that they never released. And then when Blade came out, because I think Blade preceded X-Men, I was pretty stoked on Blade because I knew it was comic book origins and it was making it to the big screen, a curious choice for the first, you know, one of the first big comic book movies. I didn't know until the talk of the recent Blade reboot yeah. that it was a comic book. Yeah. Like I just learned that probably this last year. Yeah, it would be easy to to miss that one. And then and then and then when X-Men came and it was done like a blockbuster movie cuz I cut my teeth on 80s and 90s action blockbusters. I love them, which is hard for me to say because like one of the staples of 80s action movies is boobs like they just they put them in there for no reason like watch die hard it's in there twice for literally no plot furthering reason and i wish i could just like go and edit my own version of those movies and i know there was like streaming services that tried to do this but like you could you could miss the two parts or three parts of die hard that that show that because the the rest of the series doesn't have it the rest of the series is like we can move on with life now we don't have to be obligated to do boobs like whatever anyway um so they got they got it out in the first movie so they, yeah, they got it out the rest. you know it's like die hard or, i mean lethal weapon same thing in the first one it's like why are we doing this there's, yeah there's no there's no now the plot was centered around that girl being in that trade and being a sex worker but like it didn't need to involve the nudity it wouldn't have made any it wouldn't have made any difference like someone's like, you know right. this plot really would have been furthered if she had just had her clothes off so when X-Men came out, I was a lot like you. Like, I was like, I don't care. I loved Wolverine. He was my guy, but I didn't really dig. I wasn't really into the mutant. I always tell my kids, there's like two ways you get superpowers, right? You're either born with them, and in which case you're a mutant, or there's an accident, right? It's like accident or mutant. And, I, and they, they can't get their heads around that. I'm like, this is normal. This is how superpowers happen. It's either you're born with it or it's an accident. Like, I love that part. So X-Men came out and they took this like super serious stance on it. Like not super serious, but you know what I mean? Like they made a serious movie. Like they made a movie with intent to be a blockbuster that was funny and good and had a nice plot and wonderful actors. Plus there's also a Star Trek nerd. So like the fact that they have, um, you know, Picard in it is great. Patrick Stewart was wonderful. Um, the, the, you know, 
and then Spider-Man comes out and that's my thing. And I was so stoked. I can't even tell you. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Of the three three that we have seen, the three kids that we have seen, although Tobey Maguire is probably our age now, of the three kids that we have seen front Spider-Man, who's your favorite? I'll answer that in two ways. One, my favorite superhero movie still to this day is Spider-Man 2, and I will die on that hill, and I don't care who you are. Spider-Man 2 is the best, Um, and I know movies are subjective, but that's an objective take. I don't care who you are. Um, but that's not to say that Tobey Maguire is my favorite. I like the new kid. I like the new Spider-Man. I like the take on it. He's that perfect blend of Peter Parker nerd, but has charm, has the youth that I, I mean, I liked my, I just got done watching the amazing Spider-Man one and two with my daughter and she likes Andrew Garfield. And I can see that because when you pit him against a Tobey Maguire he's cute nerdy whereas like toby Maguire was just flat nerd like it was like a nerd for nerds like he was difficult i think for some people to consume because he's just he's got that just that ah shucks look and then you have an andrew garfield who's clearly a good looking dude but played such like with nerd fun you know like he's like i'm smart no isn't it isn't it fun that i'm smart and then you know the new kid i just um, so the new kid is my favorite Spider-Man, but Spider-Man 2, all-time great. Like, great bad guy, great set pieces, great action, a good plot that moves the story, that takes the narrative where we need it to go. It's not an origin story. You can skip the first Spider-Man and go right into that one and not miss anything. I think it's great. Uh, Tom Holland is also my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, I love Tobey Maguire. Toby Maguire. I thought he did a great job. He was a great Peter Parker, not so great Spider-Man. Um, and then I loved Andrew Garfield. I thought he mm-hmm. did a great job too. And he was the opposite. I felt like he was a way better Spider-Man than he was Peter Parker. Yeah. And I agree that Tom Holland is like the perfect blend of, it's funny, we can have the same conversation about Batman, right? Like who was the better Bruce Wayne versus the better Batman. Right. Um, That's actually very I, true. I think that Tom Holland is like that perfect blend of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And my favorite of those movies is the is three that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> Where they're doing the multiverse. I am, I am banking on that movie being so incredibly fantastic. I loved, loved my favorite Spider-Man movie ever so far is Sony's Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah blew me away that movie was so good and it was done so well um i'm really excited that with all of the rumors swirling about spider-man 3 coming out and then getting into the spider-verse right and the possibility of garfield and mcguire both coming back and reprising those roles and all of the old people Mm -hmm. that they're the old characters that are coming back like that's going to be I have this funny thing where like, oh, I'm I, so excited about it. I have, I like, I, I loved into the spider verse. Don't get me wrong. My kids love it more than I do. Um, as for, and my daughter who's seen all the Spider-Man, not the new, new stuff. I haven't dipped her into the official MCU yet. Cause we haven't even gotten to the official MCU yet. We're just like timelining the launch of the MCU. Like we're going to probably need part two of our, we might MCU. need a part two. And yeah. so she hasn't seen those ones yet, but out of all of those, she's even like Spider versus my great. I love the Miles Morales storyline. I love the diversity that they bring to that show, like that movie. But my brain, and I do this with Batman, my brain goes, it doesn't count because it's a cartoon. And there are people I saw, like Rotten Tomatoes did this thing where they they did a, the greatest Jokers of all time. I didn't know this, but Mark Hamill has been voicing Joker for like yeah. 20 years. The animated series. Yeah, in the anime, which that blows me away. And I'm like, why is Mark Hamill in this? He doesn't count. I'm thinking right. of like, there's like, you know, four live action Jokers or whatever. Nope, like they count him. And so as far as the canon is concerned, what's interesting about comic movie book movies is, it, it does, never mind the, the DCU because they're just a mess. Like it's like they struggle. 
they're on the I trailed off on the Batman thing. I was like, I don't really want to have that conversation. I mean, we can talk about it. I mean, I would say if you have to, t- if you had to corner me on what, like, I, we were talking about this, the greatest all time franchises. And I was court, sort of answering this with my kids in terms of like what people might think. But Dark Knight series has to be in there at any conversation of any moviegoer of all time great. I mean, I'm, t- I'm saying, if you're saying to me that your all time favorite franchise is The Godfather, you're going to have to have a conversation about the dark Knight in the same conversation. Cause they are, I mean, and they're not the same movie and they're not for everyone, but like, you know, people talk about aliens and they talk about, um, you know, mission impossible and James Bond and all these great franchises that we've had over the years. I think you have to put the dark Knight in there. You have to dark Knight. The movie is so it's like any i was like unlike anything we've ever seen okay so into the mcu now you start with iron man right where do you land in terms of like for me what's the attraction to you other than your it's tied to your childhood and that you feel like as a christian it's sort of like safe viewing like if jesus showed up and you were watching you know like if you were watching guardians i feel like you could even go yeah but yeah jesus like let's talk I, about this. <laughs> um, it's I have always said that, like even with my kids when they were growing up, right? I always viewed comic book violence, cartoon violence, as safe because it's not real. Um, and that's maybe an argumentative point. Um, I'm sure that you could, right? You could pre- pre- you could present an argument against that about the realness of it, about the effect that that violence has. But at least partially in my mind, it's not been right. That comic book violence hasn't been enough to like persuade me. Otherwise, I've always been able to kind of justify that away. But I think the biggest hook for me is I've always been um, a fan of the underdog. Yeah. And granted, having superpowers doesn't make you the underdog, um, but it always seems like they spin those movies in such a way where the bad guy is bigger and better and more superpowered than the heroes are, and then that right, they're responsible for saving the whole world. I think that's every kid's dream. I think every every boy, at least, um, and I'm sure, right, some girls grow up wanting that. Like, I don't know if they want that responsibility because they can't really conceptualize or understand that right but just the idea of the accolades and the heroism and all of that stuff that comes along with right being the superhero and being able to save the day um i think that still plays into those movies at a at a ground level like this is what this is the story that we're telling right mm-hmm. this is every kid's there's a scene um early on I want to say it's in Avengers when uh, I think they're in Germany and Tony Stark, Iron Man lands and there's a, a little kid, right? And he's like five or six and he's got his Tony's, there's Iron Man mask on. Um, and it's just one of those scenes where it's like, that's it. Like, that's what it's mm-hmm. about. For me, it's that little boy inside of me, like being reawakened every single time I see one of those and just the feelings that it gives me, right. I like, I can, um, I've gotten into WandaVision because that's what's out on Disney plus right now. Um, and it's literally, once I got past the first two episodes that I thought were weird, um, it's been increasingly building every week and you can sit there and watch the episode and like feel the excitement rise and you feel your blood pressure rise and feel that just like that buy-in and I can't wait to see what happens next. And I know how this is going to turn out. And even though you know that in the end, the good guy's going to win and the bad guy's going to lose, you still like buy into this wholeheartedly every single time. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen, but you do know what's going to happen. Um, but it just keeps retelling that same, what I believe is a wholesome, Right underdog wins the good guy comes from behind right it's that it's a it's the archetypal story of good always wins even when it looks like there's no way that they can yeah good versus evil is what i always land on that 
um, outside of like, I would say also Daredevil and Batman, very few comic book characters as far as heroes are violent for violence sake. And in cases of like Spider-Man, you know, that you know his story, he, you know, whether it's the movie stylized version or the comic book version, but he goes after the person who kills his uncle, right? And whether he kills him or doesn't kill him or whatever, he learns something. Like, that's why I love the Spider-Man movies is that message that with great power comes great responsibility. There's nothing more wholesome or even Christ-like than that statement and that mindset of just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, and I have you, there's yet to be a, a comic book character. I know, I don't think they're all as reluctant as Spider-Man or some of them to be, you know, like Batman's one rule is no killing, which, you know, Zack Snyder takes and just poops on, but from the Dark Knight trilogy, that's very much his one rule. And there's something to be found. Like there's a lot of, I think there's, there's honor in that, that, and, you know, and even Captain America has his code of ethics and his, you know, method of operation. And, and I think that those things to me are what are alluring. Plus I enjoy that outside of guardians, I would say largely appropriate humor, largely, you know, it's not hyper stylized violence in the sense that it's not, you know, this exaggerating um, blood and, and bone and, you know, it's not John Wick. It's not, you know, Denzel Washington's the, the equalizer. It's not, these movies where it's like the stylized violence is, is, is done in a way that is just, or, you know, there's so many examples of that. With the exception of guardians two, that was not my favorite. And I felt like there, there were parts of it that were great. Um, and that, and that continued, I think the overall storyline, I think we're going to see some of that play into Right, some of the upcoming movies, Guardians Three. Right. Um, I know they're a big part in Thor: Love and Thunder coming up, um, but it was one of those where it was like violence for violence' sake, and it was like this is ridiculous. Yeah, I will say that was probably one, and it's funny because I don't struggle with Guardians as much. Uh, I, I saw somebody do like a critique on Guardians Two that it was, um, uh, what was the word? Um, I don't want to say sexist. That was another word they used misogynist. And I was like, I didn't, how did, how did I miss that? Uh, clearly like I, and, and I think this hasn't come up yet, but we're both, you know, we're two white dudes. And I know that that frames our perspective in, in really big ways that you and I work really hard to not, to not ignore. Like I understand that my worldview has been shaped by my lot in life, but I, I'd have to go back and really watch it again with that in mind of how is this a misogynist, you know, take. Um, okay, so that said, what's your least favorite MCU to date of the 20 in the canon of movies? Uh, Guardians 2 was my least favorite. Really? Yeah. I love and I was And I was horribly disappointed because I loved Guardians. Guardians 1 was my favorite. Yeah, it, um, I loved how it pushed the envelope in all the right ways. It was dangerous. It was funny. It had, you know, the crude humor aside. I thought it was funny. Um, the flawed, flawed characters. Right. You know, and I love that. And normal for the most, I mean, they're like space aliens and right. whatnot, but normal people for the most part, right? We don't find out until the very end that uh, Peter Quill might have some superhero ability um which may or may not most, have died with his dad like that was for, right with, yeah which he may or may not have lost and i think we'll find that out coming up um right but he's just a guy uh and all of the other characters right drax gamora while they're aliens they're just they have no extra special abilities outside of being alien right right so part of the draw i think for that one was they were literally just average joe Right, going up against the big bads. Um, and it was funny. It was a totally different, right? It's, its focus was more on, right, we're going to tell this story, but we're going to tell it from a comedic aspect. And while some of the humor was more adult, it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Right? While in some of the other movies, um, Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, there's humor in there. 
but it's an action movie that's got some humor throw in to make it lighthearted. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy was a lighthearted, funny movie well, that had I, some action thrown in to make it a superhero movie. Without Guardians, I don't think you get um I don't think you get Ragnarok. You don't get Ragnarok. I don't think you get the humor in Infinity Wars, which I will fight anyone who tells me that Infinity Wars is not funnier than Endgame. I think Infinity Wars is one of the funniest ones. There are so many scenes when they interact, like when Thor meets the Guardians. I had tears in my eyes laughing about, you know, the pirate that married an angel or whatever. Like those jokes were so funny. And and I, there's so much humor in, in just the inner, in, in the interactions between Doctor Strange and Iron Man and that dynamic. Like Doctor Strange just clearly sees through Iron Man and Tony Stark in a way that no other character had yet. You know, like they'd all have kind of like, oh, Tony's a narcissist, blah, 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 blah. But he's like, you really are, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. Um, oh, yeah, he totally is. It's funny that you say Guardians 2 is because I think that there will pe- there would be people who would make a strong argument uh, about Iron Man 2, uh, Thor 2, Iron Man 3. I always uh, put Captain America, the first one up there. That's not my favorite. Uh, really? Yeah. I, I, it's a good origin story for people who don't know. I don't think it's one of the greats. I just thought, for me, Guardians 2 was gratuitous. Mm. And I think they could have told the story um in a better way without all the gratuitousness of it right like i said earlier violence for violence sake um i think it would have been a better movie overall and you're right there are others like if you're gonna if you're gonna rank them from one to 23 or whatever it is now um there's going to be some that are at the bottom thor the dark world the second one was not great uh that one has a special place in my heart um, Iron Man, the first one was phenomenal, but it was really the first time anything had ever been done like that. So even right. if it was crap, we would have loved it. Right. Um, Iron and Man that's... two and Iron Man two and three weren't as good, but they advanced the story, and that's what I think is important to keep in mind too. Is like we're telling this is so far twenty three movies that are all connected to one another and are all telling a single story Mm -hmm. and you really have to watch all of it from beginning to end while you can watch them independently and be like yeah that was a good movie and i was entertained by that if you're it's it's the bible of superhero movies right if you look at the bible it's 66 books um that are all independent of one another but if you really want to get the overall gist of the whole thing and what's going on and what the story is really about you have to take it as a whole you have to take the whole mcu as we know it as a whole it's telling one story so each movie is interlinked to all of the other movies so while some of them weren't great at their particular right maybe the storyline wasn't as fascinating or right maybe it wasn't produced as well or the cinematography wasn't as great or the story wasn't as great you have to take into account too that it's a part of the story. So I like to look at it, some of those others that weren't my favorite and go, how well does it advance the overall overall story? And would the story be the same if you removed it? Well, it's sort of like, like I know there's another one that people put up there is like they're not favorite is Avengers Age of Ultron, but you cannot have Civil War without Age of Ultron. You can't have like the Tony Stark arc, if you will, without that, you have to understand where Age of Ultron fits into the canon to realize why Tony Stark did what he did in Endgame. And we are right. giving spoilers on this. I'm saying no spoilers for WandaVision because I haven't seen it yet. If you haven't seen the MCU, I'm not, you know, maybe we won't be explicit on what happens, but you can't get that Endgame piece without Age of Ultron so each to your point each part fits and early early first century christians you know to your point and this is a great parallel between you know those those story arcs at the first century church was not as concerned with um the jewish bible and the jewish backstory because they put all their faith in christ here was a guy who lived who lived differently 
who died and then who rose from the dead and that was all they needed it was only until several hundred years later that they wanted to dig into his backstory and what it meant to be jewish right well and they lived it right right um if you well, were that's true jewish, yes a lot of if the you person, were a yeah. jewish boy growing up at that jewish boy growing up at that time you had to by the time you were 13 have the first five books of the old testament memorized, memorized. right memorized um so that was your life like you know that story backwards and forwards um, and then a lot of those first century Christians, like, were the dudes hanging out on the hill when he was doing the Sermon of the Mount, or they were the 5,000 that right. got fed, right? A lot of those people were there, and they saw him and knew him. And so a lot of those first century Christians were people that were, like, hanging out with him. So the need to be able to see the whole story, right. while they didn't have the physical Bible to look back at and be like, this is the overall story, they knew the story. They were living the story. Right. I think a lot of times that's the big difference. Well, and the flaw of the early you know, church was that they kept trying to convert non-Jews into Jews in order for them to become Christians. Like they felt like, oh, well, we've been waiting for this our whole, like for generations. And now, you know, Jesus came, he came for us. And Jesus was like, no, I came for everybody. And they're like, okay, cool. But before they can be, before they can be a Christian, they've got to be a like Jewish first. It would be like me and you saying we can watch the MCU, but only only once we watch the MCU, you got to watch the first three X-Men movies. You got to watch the first three Spider-Man movies. You have to watch the original Hulk, which also holds a special place in my heart. You have to watch the second Hulk, which depending on your take may or may not fit into the canon of the MCU. You have to, and, and they're like, yeah, but I mean, can I just start with Iron Man? And you're like, whoa. So my my brother-in-law actually texted me this week and I've been telling him for weeks, he needs to watch WandaVision. Um, I was like, you got to get into WandaVision. So he texted me this week and he was like, Hey, I was at a, um, I was at a client. He has a fish tank, saltwater fish tank business. So he gotcha. goes to a lot of places and cleans tanks and stuff like that. And he was like, dude, I was at uh, this clients and they told me I needed to watch WandaVision. So he was like, so he was like, I'm not really super well-versed on, the MCU, can I just watch WandaVision independently and get it? And I said, sure. Like, I think it's strong enough that you could watch it on its own independently and enjoy it. However, I was like, if you really want to get it and understand it, you're going to need to go back and start at the beginning and brush up on all of your MCU. He specifically said, do I need to watch Avengers? So I was like, yes, you totally need to go back and watch Avengers. And I was like, while you're at it, don't forget that the Iron Man's and the Captain America's and the Guardians all play into that storyline. So there are going to be bits and pieces that you may or may not understand if you're not well versed on the whole story. Yeah. You, I mean, you, and then I text him the next day and I said, and you might want to brush up on your X Men <laughs> because we're about to see some massive crossover stuff start happening i love x-men one that, X that might be a spoiler yeah x-men three is on the struggle bus i think everybody acknowledges that like you know when they're going to the island and all of a sudden it's dark out like it was just daylight what did it take you an hour to float across the bridge i don't understand what happened here there's a lot of that kind of stuff storm did it uh storm did it uh so I just went back when the start of when we, when COVID happened and everybody was spending more time at home, we still are. Um, but I, you know, I had all this time. I started the MCU uh, from scratch. I watched it in release date order, um, which makes sense because of all the extra scenes, because the extra scenes just have this way of kind of playing into one another. Although some of them they did, and it's clear like they didn't necessarily carry the narrative that the extra scene was, you know, the end credit scenes were telling you. But then I, as I was, and you and I were texting about this, as I was digging into it, there are, there's a, there's a website I found where they show you how to watch it in release date order. Then there's chronological order where you watch it in terms of timeline within the movies. So if you jump on Disney plus right now and go to the Marvel yep, page, that's what they I was actually have a listing of the chronological order. Okay. But now there's another one. There's one where you watch it with the appropriate end credit scenes in order so you have to like pause one jump to another movie and Correct. Then come back to the, right because okay. if you watch it in chronological order in terms of mcu timeline you're gonna get end credit scenes that are all out of whack gotcha right 
So I find it funny that, I mean, that means you either own the Blu-ray. I don't know how your streaming service is, but we have a, a really nice TV downstairs. We have a, a Roku TV, which makes streaming really easy. And uh, I have it plugged directly into my internet. I don't have it on Wi-Fi. It's directly plugged in because the router's right below it. So it's as fast as it's going to be in this house. And I still don't think it's fast enough for me to try to consume it that way to go, okay, just got done watching this one. Now I got to skip over to this one and watch the, you know, wait for Disney plus to load and then watch that. You'd be better off just having like the Blu-rays laid out and then doing it. But I don't own them all. I stopped owning them, you know, two years ago. When everything went digital. When everything went digital. Yeah, me too. Um, what do you think? I want to ask this question because I think, I don't think. Okay, this has got to be, we got to wrap this up. This okay. has got to be it. I don't think the Black Panther gets enough love. I think the Black Panther movie is really good. I know that there's detractors out there. I, from a cultural standpoint, I understand it. I get it. I mean, I don't understand it, but I get it, I should say. Right. Do you have concerns about what they're going to do knowing now that Chadwick Boseman is dead? I've heard that they either want to make his sister the in the in the movie, the sister in the movie, the next Black Panther. There's all these narratives. Are you concerned? Do you, I know they'll honor him regardless, but like if you look at like Fast and the Furious, they teed up Paul Walker's death so well. And then they should have like, left it alone. It kills me every time. Really? Um, Do you think they should have left it alone? I think I think that scene where Paul Walker and Vin Diesel drive off into the sunset and then they split and Paul Walker goes his own way. That should have been the last movie. They should have, oh. that should have been that, that, that should have been it. They should have been, we're going out as tribute to Paul Walker and we're done. I think every single film that they've made since then, including the one coming out this summer and the one coming out next summer are absolute slaps in the face to Paul Walker. Wow. Although, Although I will watch them both because I love that. I haven't seen Fate yet or Hobbs Series. and Shaw. I guess we have to have that cover. Okay, so anyway, Black, Black Panther, where do you no, live? Um, I, I Black Panther was phenomenal. It's probably my in my top three mm -hmm. MCU movies um, every time, all, all time. I thought they did a fantastic job with it. Um, I think it's important to... I think it's important to remember that Ryan Coogler, who wrote Black Panther and directed, wrote and directed the original Black Panther movie, is also a Black man. Yeah. And has absolute, complete and total buy-in into that movie. And I know that he had a super solid relationship with Chadwick Boseman. Okay. Um, so I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. Um, I don't know where the storyline goes from here. I know there are other people that have carried the Black Panther mantle. Right. Um, I, if they're going to keep that character alive, they're going to have to replace Black Panther the superhero um but i think they'll do it in a way that's not only respectful to chadwick boseman but that honors him and his legacy in a way that we probably can't even imagine at this point yeah and, and we might, we might not even get as <clears throat> you know not a part of that culture i don't know that we will even understand maybe where they go and that's where i i really had to be intentional with my 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 love of black panther and his character in the canon because i understand my perspective fuels my my you know my understanding of it um but i you know it's the cultural repercussions of that movie have been amazing i think and that's where i also go back to the mcu i mean people's lives are changed I mean, people look to Wakanda as this fictional country, but there's a whole population in this country that didn't just see it as a fictional country. They saw it as a representation of the place that they're from, a lot of them, right? Like I just, it, I, I, don't, I don't, I know I'll never understand how big that movie is. And, right, and I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I think on a larger scale, on a bigger scale, I think that's a lot of what the MCU as a whole is about. And I don't want to take away anything from the Wakanda piece of that, but there is a little boy and a little girl inside of every one of those characters. And that is growing up watching these movies that realizes that they have an opportunity to take what they have, regardless of what that is mm -hmm. and be world changers with it. There's and I think that's the importance of the MCU. And that's what it is that they're selling people. You too can change the world. Yeah. Like that hope that just, you know, like in Endgame, the cards are down. I mean, I saw somebody tweet once, we can end on this note. I saw somebody tweet once that they wish that they could re-watch Endgame for the first time every time. 
that right. the the final scenes when everybody shows up, when Black Panther shows up, when that the like I'm getting emotional almost thinking about it. Like I cry. Like I I don't have any problem admitting I have shed tears during MCU. And on your was, left, that yep that oh <laughs> that whole scene gets me. Uh, and I'll and so favorite can, can you can you nail down a favorite um my favorite uh, i don't know guardians was my favorite and then ragnarok came out i know uh ragnarok was fantastic um and then infinity war and endgame came out i'm gonna say right now endgame is my favorite okay i always it's, it, it's the freshest and yeah um i know that but without having the time to sit down and write it out and write all my pros and cons yep. off the top of my head. I'm going to say Endgame is my favorite. I haven't even mentioned Ant-Man and like that one was one of my favorite, but I have. Oh, and Ant-Man. I loved Ant-Man. Um, I always my wife come is back laughing to at me in the background. Yeah. I always come back to Winter Soldier for so many reasons as being one of my favorites. Um, yeah, no, I did, they're all, they're all, they're all phenomenal. Even yeah. the ones that suck were great. Yeah. That's and, the, that's Iron the Man difficulty I think every time. Love it. That's so the difficulty funny. I think in trying to right categorize them according to which one was our favorite. Um, yeah. th- I want to. This will be my ending statement okay. because I I really got to run. Okay. Um, but you right, I mentioned right that that feeling of being able to change the world that, and you called that hope, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what it is. At the end of the day, the MCU is selling. That's why they've made a bazillion dollars. That's why right. they continue to make these movies that are blockbusters and people pay in droves to go see them. Oh, yeah. Is because that's exactly what they're selling is hope. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, there's only one other figure in the history of the world that has been able to give people that same hope only on a greater, grander, mm-hmm. eternal scale. And that's Jesus. Yeah. Agreed. And that probably is why we're both so attracted to it. And that's probably why we're both so attracted to it. All right, my friend, good conversation. We'll have to decide if this deserves a part two, if our fans, the all, all, however many of them there are, and there's, they're growing, but small, stead, sturdy base. Uh, yes, if, they, say, if they feel like this was a worthy entry in the podcast canon, we, we may have to revisit this because we also talked about some other franchises that I think are worth mentioning. <laughs> Um, if you're listening to us on Anchor, I noticed the other day, if you're on the Anchor, if you're logged into Anchor and you're listening to us, there is a place where you can leave us a message. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's a so there's a button on there. I believe it'll let you leave us a voice message that we can then listen to. Um, so if you if you have an opinion or a question or anything you want us to talk about or want to just encourage us and tell us we're doing a great job or tell us we suck either way. Um there is an opportunity for you to do that. Also, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, feel free to hit those sites up and leave us messages, um, ask us questions, any interaction that you would like to have with us, feel free to do so. And we yep. will be happy to get back to you. Okay. On that note. Have a good rest of your day. And everyone out there in the podcast universe, we hope you uh, maybe are inspired to go turn on the MCU all on Disney plus. Amen. <laughs>